of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Listening and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be here today uh, discussing matters related to worship, theology, and culture. And that is exactly what we are doing today, talking about a theological matter, and that is the reality of total depravity. By the way, you've probably noticed if you're listening that these podcasts have been a bit shorter uh, recently. Um, and, and honestly, there are times where I'll have a 30 or 40 minute podcast and then there are times where it's quite short, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, the content that I put out on these podcasts are intended to help you and, uh, they certainly help me. Um, but there are times where I don't need to belabor the point. <laughs> and so they're very short. Um, and I do want to let you know that I will at some point be starting a project called the Psalm project. And what I'm going to be doing is taking every single psalm, all 150 psalms, and setting them to music. It will be probably simple music, maybe a chorus or written as a hymn or something like that. And uh, and I want to incorporate my ideas to incorporate these psalms into this podcast. And so maybe for a lengthy period of time, the podcast might just be the Psalm Project. And uh, those will probably be short podcasts. But what I intend to do is. Um, record the psalms, each psalm, record them, very simple recording, just piano and vocal, and then give a some sort of commentary on that particular psalm. And I don't know, one a week, two a week, something like that, uh, whenever I can get to it. Again, I, I do this whenever I can. There's no set interval of time. Um, been pretty consistent recently, but that is not always the case. And um, so be looking for that. That psalm project will begin at some point, and it's going to be lengthy, 150 psalms. I mean, let, let's just say I do two a week. Um, even if I write two psalms a week, set two psalms of, to music a week, that's over a year. That's almost a year and a half. So this is going to be a lengthy project and um, nothing terribly uh, extensive by any means, but just lengthy because uh, I, I don't want to take the time to sit down and do 50 psalms a week or something like that. So, uh, But be looking for that project. And so uh, today I'm going to be talking about the reality of total depravity. And this is an issue that has come up in many conversations I've had with people, including other believers who for some reason do not believe in total depravity. It's a common topic of debate, of debate, and there are certain beliefs that arise surrounding this topic. Human logic doesn't want to suggest a radically evil human race, but Scripture points in that direction. So why is total depravity so difficult to admit? Maybe we don't want to believe that we are all as evil as we actually are, but to truly grasp the extent of God's mercy, it's imperative that we understand the full extent of our sin. We have to realize the reality of total depravity. And so let's talk about this. There's a few issues I want to bring up. And um, uh, these are probably issues that if you've had this conversation, you've heard these before. So 
Uh, really, there are three options uh, that we have here when you're thinking about depravity and goodness. Hum- humanity is either some good, mostly good, or completely evil by nature. Uh, I I don't think, at least I don't know anyone that would say that humans are all good by nature. I don't know. You know, that could be a fourth option. I think that that might be out there. Um, but I, I, most people I know would admit that no one is perfect. That's that's the key. Okay. And so if that's the case, are, is humanity, is there some good in humanity? Are, are people mostly good or are they completely evil by nature? Okay, three possibilities here. So which one is it? And the view I personally believe, and I believe the biblical expression is that humanity is completely wicked with not any good whatsoever. And someone once asked me how a loving God could send a good man from an indigenous area who has never heard the gospel, how God could send that person to hell. My response was something like this. If a, if such a person existed, God certainly would not send that person to hell. But the problem is that that person doesn't exist. No one is good. In fact, the question should be, it shouldn't be why would God send anyone to hell, but why would he allow anyone at all into heaven? And so scripture is clear that no one is perfect. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But to take it further... Scripture also suggests the total depravity of every human in history because of the infection of sin from Adam, Romans 5.12. The issue then is not that humans have sinned, according to Romans 3.23, and and that is true, but that humans have never done anything but sin because sin is humanity's nature, and it's our state apart from Christ. In other words, people spend every waking moment in sin when they do not know Christ. Not knowing Christ in and of itself is sin. So someone who is not a Christian, every millisecond of every day is living in sin. The psalmist says that we are conceived in sin. In other words, there is not a point at any time in our lives, even in the womb, when we are not in sin, when we are not sinners. It is our nature. So I've heard it asked this way before, do, are we sinners because we sin or do we sin because we are sinners? And according to the Bible, it is the latter. That is our state and our choice always without Christ, without the Holy Spirit is going to be sin, period. Paul submits that people are dead in trespasses apart from Christ, Ephesians 2.1. In other words, no one is drowning or sinking. That's the image we get sometimes, that we're drowning in our sin before Christ. We're sinking, you know, waiting on somebody to throw a life preserver. But the truth is we are dead in sin, not drowning. We are at the bottom of the ocean, water in our lungs, dead. And to understand human nature is to not only understand being somewhat good apart from Christ, but equally depraved and radically sinful prior to knowing him. What I mean by equally depraved is that every single human is equally sinful. There's not one worse or better than the other. Sometimes we get the idea that, well, you know, I was a four or a five, or I was a six or a seven, and God made me a ten. No, 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 no. The truth is we are all zeros. Whether you are Billy Graham or whether you are Jeffrey Dahmer, you are all, we are all equally zeros. And contrasting human logic, 
people should understand that any good in this world comes only from God. And on that, people ask me all the time when I'm having this discussion is, well, so what if someone's not a Christian? Surely they do things good. You know, they help old ladies across the street. They, you know, whatever they do, they do good things. So how do you explain that? That's the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit works in the lives and through the lives of unbelievers. That doesn't mean they possess the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean they're Christians or they're saved. But any good that comes in this world from any human is not the result of humanity. It is always the result of God. Every person is evil by nature and should realize their great need of Christ. So, three possibilities there. And obviously, I believe, and Scripture expresses that people are completely evil by nature. So, moving on in in this thought here, human reason is part of the problem. Human logic, if you want to call it that. Uh, Human reason insinuates at least some good, but that's wrong. Logically, people want to believe that humanity has at least some good. I mean, it makes sense to us, right? We don't think that people wake up in the morning and, and by nature they're murderers or whatever the case may be. But that's that's the truth. People wake up in the morning and they are utterly sinful. Biblical truth contradicts the belief that people are at least some good by nature because it points to humanity's total depravity. If humans were capable of any good, there would not be a need for Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Think about this. If we were capable of any good at all, okay, any good at all, Christ's sacrifice on the cross would not be necessary because we could work up the ability to save ourselves. Even if we don't have the ability now, if there were any good that we were capable of, we could at least work up to that that ability. And because of sin, humanity has become utterly worthless. Paul says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless no one does good, not even one. Romans 3, 10 through 12. And I want to tell you, if you want to learn about the utter hopelessness of humanity's state, read the book of Romans. But what's great about the book of Romans is once you read that, then you learn you learn about the exceeding mercy and grace of God that we don't deserve. And so the two contrast each other. I mean, the, the, the mercy and grace of God that we don't deserve And it makes it that much better. And people can either trust their mindful logic or trust the the truth of Scripture. When we reason it out, it's apparent, even though our logic on the surface level says, no, there's some good in people and humans, and that's not true. When we reason it out, when we think about it, it's apparent that humanity is totally evil by nature. And yes, that means all humans. That means babies, too. You don't have to teach a baby to be selfless or selfish. And selfishness is sinful. It's self-centered. It is sinful. Babies come into this world selfish. That's what they do. You don't have to teach people to steal. You don't have to teach people to lie. When I was a child, no one taught me to lie. Somehow I figured out that if I lied, maybe I could get out of this situation that I was in with my parents. Not get in trouble, but they always found out. But the human brain doesn't want to believe the devastating news that we're evil. But this news should be devast- it shouldn't be devastating because for God's grace 
to be exceedingly amazing and scandalous and seem scandalous, then we need to know how sinful we are. And so even though our evil uh, evil nature and our sinfulness is it might be utterly depressing the good news is that god loves his people and he saves us and he gives us mercy when we don't deserve it and so once we realize who we truly are we realize how much we don't deserve god's mercy someone told me recently that um you know in contrasting what i just said they were, they said that well Jesus died for us, so he must have seen something in us worth dying. No, that's not. That's the point of the gospel. There was nothing in us worth dying for. And he died for us. And often the idea is that people fall somewhere on this scale, that we are somewhere, you know, we're not a Jeffrey Dahmer. We're a little better than that. But no, we are all dead in trespasses. From the most heinous murderer to the seemingly most moral philanthropist, Humanity is totally and radically depraved, and without realizing the extent of human depravity, it's virtually impossible to understand and appreciate the depth of God's grace, which is impossible really to realize this side of heaven anyway, but we can at least get a glimpse of it. And so to understand the gospel is to understand total depravity, not partial depravity. And so believing that people possess some good by nature is incorrect. So can someone be a Christian without believing in total depravity? In short, yes, it's possible. (laughs) I say that about so many issues. More issues in Christian theology become secondary the older I get. Not that they're not important, okay? When I say secondary, I don't mean unimportant. But... This is an important issue to be explored and understood by all believers. And with any secondary issue, you can believe incorrectly and still be saved. I mean, there, there are many people that I think believe incorrectly about many things. But believing incorrectly is still just that, incorrect. And so to fight the, the draw of the human brain that insinuates a naturally good state of humankind, Christians should continuously speak the truth of the Bible into their own lives by understanding the drastic extent of the gospel. The gospel is drastic. Where sin was all-encompassing, salvation was made possible. And where salvation was made possible, God's grace was imparted as the only possible saving factor. The gospel is drastic. Our sin is drastic. God's mercy is drastic. And so this is a difficult-to-admit reality. The human mind and heart cannot be trusted. The human heart is deceptive by nature. And while we strongly want to believe that humanity is capable of good and that humans are at least partially good by nature, the fact is that Scripture teaches otherwise. Our minds, our hearts say, no, there's some good in humanity. The heart is deceptive. It cannot be trusted. This is, this is Scripture. Total depravity is not merely a theological concept made up by old dead men who just wanted to argue, but the idea of total depravity is derived from Scripture. And while the goodness of humanity seems logical to us, when we truly reason it out with critical thinking, it's apparent that human nature is always sin, not good. No one teaches a child to sin. They just do it because that's who they are. 
The only possible solution for total depravity is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we need to confess that we are totally hopeless without Christ and we are utterly sinful. It's difficult to admit, but the undeniable truth that humanity is radically evil. That, that's the truth. It's difficult to admit, but that's the truth, that we are radically and completely evil. The hope, however, is that Jesus loves to forgive and loves to save. And this is great news that Christ loves us despite our complete rejection of him. Romans 5 says we are enemies of God. There are people that are not Christians that would say, well, I'm not an enemy of God. Yes, you are. According to Romans 5, you're an enemy of God. And those who are in Christ are saved from his wrath. People say that hell is separation from God, but that's not true. God or God is not omnipresent if that's true. Hell is not separation from God. God is certainly present in hell, but those who are in hell are in the presence of God's wrath, not his mercy. And so to understand the extent of God's mercy, we need to understand the extent of our sin. And so while the news of our depravity is bad, the news of Christ's forgiveness is exceedingly good. And that is the hope of the gospel that is marvelous. It is great news that we can't even begin to comprehend. We have glimpses and we can try, but man, we should try as best as we can. But we can't even begin to understand the true extent of God's mercy. So spend some time thanking him for his mercy. Because we were utterly hopeless and lost. And yet Christ loved us anyway. So thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.